Hello, everybody. Welcome once again to another fantastic episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. My name is Adam Homie. I am your host, and I am honored by your wise decision to tune in and invest in yourself today. We help you win at the game of business and marketing so you thrive from the intersection of your brilliance and your passion through a series of topics and episodes designed to help you as a business creator thrive in the modern business environment today. As the name says, we are, in fact, business creators. We have our entrepreneurs, small business owners, local business owners. We have our marketing and business coaches, consultants, and mentors. We have our business creators, those who help others succeed. And on the same side, other side of that coin, rather, we have the do-it-yourselfers, like to have your own hands on the levers. Now, if you are any of the above, and many of our listeners who tune in every week for fresh episodes are all of the above, as am I. I'm all of the above. Please take a moment. Explore episodes and discover how we help you win at the game of business and marketing at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. Also, be sure to check us out on networks such as iTunes. Make sure you subscribe. You'll get immediate access to over 250 episodes covering a breadth and depth. You will get new app content into your app every single week and every five-star rating we get. So find your favorite episode. Give us a five-star rating. Helps us serve more business creators just like you. Okay, so... Today, we have uh, kind of an interesting opportunity here in terms of what we're going to share with you today. If you've, unless you've been living under a rock, you've probably heard about something called blockchain. And personally, I'm just going to be candid, I don't really know much about what blockchain is. When I think of blockchain, I'm thinking of a block with a chain attached to it that's used in some sort of bridge construction or something like that. I understand that that may even tie to the analogy. I'm not sure. But I know that I have some curiosity about blockchain. I know that several listeners have written to me asking, are we going to do something on blockchain? So that reason, when we were approached by Joseph Snyder and Chris Brown of Lannister Holdings to share with us on what it means to be a blockchain technology leader, I left at the opportunity. So this is a little bit different than what we normally do on the Business Creators Radio Show, but if you ask me, it's high time. So I can just uh, tell you that I've had a nice little conversation here with Joe and Chris in the green room before we came online, and they are involved with a publicly traded revolutionary blockchain company called Lannister Holdings. Lannister Holdings is generating scaled revenues and growth by developing, owning, and delivering proprietary technology to the financial sector. Uh, these are gentlemen are natural leaders with the skills to inspire world-class staff, the positive work ethic to overcome the biggest challenges, and the ability to grow and brand within highly competitive and regulated spaces. As I said, this is something that I'm going to be learning right along with you. And as our listeners know, not only am I the host, I'm in the audience with my pad of paper and my two pens looking for the slight edge in my business. So how would you say we dive in? Joe Snyder, Chris Brown, yeah. come on in. The weather's fine. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. This is Joseph Snyder, CEO of Lannister Holdings, Lannister Development. Glad to be here. Thank you so much for having us on the show today. Yeah, and Chris, you here. want to introduce Chris yourself? Brown. <laughs> okay, yeah, this is Chris Brown, CTO of Lannister Holdings, and uh, yeah, thanks for having us on. Awesome. So what we like to do here before we dive into the main topic of what we're going to cover today is I like to take my guests on just a little bit of a journey because some of our listeners may right now have a separate browser tab open and they're looking up Joseph Snyder, Chris Brown, blockchain, they're looking up Lannister Holdings, and they're trying to get to know a little bit more about that. So if you gentlemen could just tell us a little bit about your journey and what's brought you to where you are today 
serving business creators from the intersection of your brilliance and passion through blockchain? Yeah, you know, that's a that's a great question. And, you know, what what Chris and I are, are focused on doing is um, delivering and deploying um, what we see as the suite of Web 3.0 technologies um, to enterprise and and real world applications. And that uh, mission is something that, you know, is uh, is a kind of Chris's baby as the technology side of things. And that goes hand in hand with some of the ideology and the business theory that we brought into this business when we when we decided to start it. So we very consciously uh, built the structure that we have. We formed Lannister specifically for the purpose of uh, of going public, and uh, we were able to execute that in March. We we did a reverse merger whereby we acquired a company that was already public in the U.S. So. We are publicly traded on the U.S. OTC market under the ticker symbol NBDR, Nancy Brava Delta Robert, and nice. that um, that journey was um, about the impact and disruption and opportunity that we see lying within these technologies and within the disruption that's that's coming for industries and and um, finance and and um, industrial applications and government sectors with these with these technologies. Blockchain is a key part of that technology suite. We see. Um, huge use cases and disruption potentials uh, across many, many different industries. You know, internally we are working on product both um, for on our own and also with some partners. We are working on product in the syndicated real estate finance space, so that's more of a fintech application of utilizing blockchain structures and uh, token use cases to um, do tranches of securitization and things for the real estate market. And then through Lannister Development, we are working with um, partners and prospects and clients around the globe to look at how this suite of technologies, and that's artificial intelligence, IoT, machine learning, um, blockchains, how all of these you know, cloud native and, and, and hybrid cloud applications, how all of these tools together form a superior operating system, a lower cost, lower risk, higher transparency, higher speed, and higher data utilization model for existing infrastructure and existing industries. And that's a lot of really big words, but, um, you know, specifically what Lannister uh, Holdings and Lannister Development have been designed to do is to operate with a uh, lifestyle by design mentality for our stakeholders and our employees, whereby we're a completely remote work organization. From, from seed to public, we've been completely remote work. We do have addresses both in uh, Arizona and in, in Nevada for our corporate entities, uh -huh. but we don't actually have an office anywhere in the world. Um, all of our staff is wow. completely remote work. Everybody works from where they are, and um, it's a it's a great um, freedom model. And and we're uh, we're huge proponents of the ideology behind having a smaller ecological and a, a footprint, having a smaller impact on um, the world that we live in, and being able to run a very lean, uh, very fiscally conservative business. And it gives us uh, we believe it gives us a great competitive advantage. Well, I'm very happy about that. I I love that story. So. You know, we hear the term blockchain, and as I mentioned earlier, when I hear blockchain, I think of literally a block with a chain attached to it that's used in securing a bridge across a bay. So uh, could you define for us what that term actually means, blockchain? Because I'm trying to visualize it for myself, as are some of our listeners. Yeah, I mean, you know, you're, you're, you're pretty close, and that's kind of why it was named that in the first place, is that it's a good abstraction that allows you to sort of mentally picture what's happening here. 
Um, if if you know right. anything about in computer science or programming or anything, then then it's a little bit easier to explain just saying it's essentially a scaled linked list with distributed nodes. Um, now right. that's not going to help you either. So let's let's break this down a little bit. Let's say you have a database, right? And you have a database that has entries in it. Uh, let's call them title entries for a real estate property. That database okay. has everything everything you need to know about those properties and who owns them and when those transactions have occurred on that line. Now, instead right. of updating that database and changing it from, you know, Chris Brown owns, owns this property and sells it to Joe Snyder, and now Joe Snyder owns this property, or there's a new row in the database grows and grows, instead of doing that, we take a snapshot of the old database, and we call that a block. So now you have a block of data. And then we update, we create a transaction changing the data, and then we take a new snapshot of the new block. Right now, the state of the data has been updated, so now there's a new block of data. Those two blocks constitute two separate pieces of data, but they are related. Yeah, there, there's a relationship between them, which is based on the transactions which happened. So in order to relate them, we create a chain between them. And in creating that chain, we use cryptographic right. caching functions, and we take a fingerprint of the data and a fingerprint of the transactions which occurred between the two blocks. Um, and that gives us the piece that's called the chain. Now, if we have that, right. we're starting to create a thing that's called an immutable ledger. And that means that based on the existence of this chain, I can verify that the data in the top block is valid based on the previous block. And I can say that if any of the previous blocks have been changed, then the chain between the blocks will no longer be valid, and I'll know instantly if there is anything nefarious at foot. So it really is a chain of blocks in abstraction, right? You have blocks of wow. data, snapshots of data, more aptly, and a chain of simply hashed IDs, which connects those blocks. And those hashed IDs include a hash of the transaction signatures, meaning that you always right. know whether or not a block in the previous state has been changed. Um, and that's the really just base level of what is a blockchain and how do you explain it, that that encapsulates it right there. Does that does that get you closer to an understanding of what's happening? Yeah, that gives me at least an abstraction of it. So, uh, you know, you cover a little bit about the uh, mechanics of this blockchain technology. So can we use this for, you know, a lot of times when we hear blockchain, we hear Bitcoin. Uh, can it be used for something other than Bitcoin? Well, yes, they can be used for just anything that's processing data, especially processing data between multiple parties. Because what right. happens here is, right, if you just have if you just have blocks in a chain between them, and that chain says, you know, all the previous blocks are immutable, that's cool. That's actually pretty useful all in itself. But that's not something right. that a traditional database can't do for you, right? You can just start adding rows and rows and rows and get the information that you need and with a time series on it. So really a lot of this power comes from the surrounding technologies. So when you think of Bitcoin, when you think of Ethereum, when you think of all these cryptocurrencies, uh, a major piece of that is mining, right? And what is mining? Well, mining is owning a, dis a, a node of this chain, owning a, a, an actual representation of the blockchain itself, and attempting to solve the cryptographic hash of the next block. Because when you solve that hash, you get a reward, et cetera, et cetera. We can go into those algorithms later. 
Um, but what right. that means is that there's not a centralized piece. There's not a single database where you're saying, here's all the data and here's the chain of blocks. No, it's a distributed right. network of these things. And the way that those blocks are created means that you can add and subtract nodes as you want, and we can verify all of these chains are synced correctly together at all times, which means you now right. have a network of people with a shared benefit and a shared reason to be keeping and maintaining data between them. And that gives you a lot of computational power. It gives you distributed power. And it also gives you access into whole other worlds of, of technologies, right? Because there's the these things called proof of work, proof of stake, proof of et cetera, et cetera, proof of elapsed time. Is a, bunch of them at this point. These are called consensus algorithms. Essentially, we have to find a way to bring all of these people to consensus about what the next block in the chain is. And that, in and of itself, is a useful technology. Because if you imagine swarm robotics, let's say, coming to consensus among the swarm members of a thousand robots is, is a useful technology. So these technologies expand out of this thing and become useful in their own right. But the blockchain itself allows for a decentralized peer-to-peer -peer exchange network of essentially anything you want. So that's where you get to Bitcoin, that's where you get to Litecoin, Ethereum, I mean, there's 10,000 of them at this point, because they're not difficult to create, right? It's not difficult to spin up multiple nodes of a blockchain and say, the rewards coming off this thing are, are going to be called cryptocurrencies, and we're going to assign value to them and measure them in, you know, however, however you want to measure them, U.S. dollar for the most part. Um, right. And you can do that with anything. So, like, let, if you look at, blo at uh, blockchain, at Bitcoin, what is being transacted on the Bitcoin blockchain? Well, Bitcoin is being transacted on the Bitcoin blockchain, right? So it's a chain that gives rewards in Bitcoin and it's transacting in and of itself, essentially. And that's really the base utilization, again, of a blockchain, right? There's not, I mean, it's useful as a currency, it's useful as a decentralized piece, it's useful for, you know, if you are an agent who does not want government regulation on your your transactions, then that is a very useful sort of thing for you. But that's a very narrow use case of what we're talking about here. So let's take that one step further and look at something like the Ethereum blockchain. So the Ethereum blockchain is similar again, right? If you mine Ethereum, you get, uh, if you mine Ethereum, you're creating the next block in the chain, you're getting rewarded in Ethereum itself, and you can transact Ethereum through the network itself. But Ethereum implements something called the Ethereum uh, virtual machine. And what a virtual machine does is it allows you to execute code inside of an operating system, or a system which is operating, not an operating system, uh, which means that now you can write code for transactions, and when those transactions occur, that code executes. And that launches you in this entire world of decentralized and distributed application. It gives you tokenization uh, prospects for, you know, creating point systems inside any application that you want. Uh, it gives you just massive amounts of access to say, not only are we processing transactions on this chain, but we're processing executable code on this chain, and that allows us to do X, Y, and Z. Well, what is X, Y, and Z? Right. X, Y, and Z is what it's been really used for at this point is a thing called smart contracts. And, you know, that, that term kind of gets used a lot and people don't really understand what's going on there. What's going on there is that we're programmatically creating contracts that say, if this action occurs, 
then we're going to do this, right? It's a very simple if-then sort of situation, but most contracts are like that. So let's say you go to a dealership for a car. Let's say you go down to Ford and you tell Ford, hey, I'd like to buy 10 of these cars, but if I do so, I want a discount. And Ford does their numbers and they come back to you and say, okay, look, if you buy all 10 of these at once, we'll give you 25% off, whatever. I don't, I don't know what the fleet rates are, but we'll give you Let's 25% off the entire lot. We'll say yeah. 25%. So now what you can do is you can go back and you can create a smart contract on the Ethereum blockchain. There's a few others. Most of them do this at this point. But you can go create a smart contract that says the first nine people that put in this amount of money will receive title to one of these cars, right? Because we're doing 10 and I want one of them, so I'm going to allow 10 other people to buy them at a 25% discount. So now... We connect that to Ford, right? We give them a small integration that shows them who is, who bought these things, right? We have a little sign-up form or whatever on our website. When people yeah. make a transaction to that contract, that transaction hits the contract. The contract records that in a public verifiable uh, system, which is an, a public blockchain in this case. And then when all the rest of the nine of those slots have been filled, the smart contract automatically finishes the transaction. So now the money is moved from the smart contract, which is essentially holding it in escrow, to Ford, and Ford moves, and then Ford moves the title for the cars into the smart contract, and the smart contract distributes them. And this is all done highly automatically, right? We're, we're removing multiple layers of middlemen. And this is a very simple example. We can scale this up to, you know, banking institutions uh, working between mortgages, right? Banks are buying and selling billions of dollars worth of mortgage assets on any given month. Uh, and there's a lot of human error. There's a lot of processing. There's a lot of risk and there's a lot of cost involved in doing those transactions. So you can take this simple model of a, you know, we're going to automate transactions and we're going to automate uh, uh, contracts and then you can scale it out to very, very large businesses and have very immediate impact on their operating, on their costs, on their risks, on just basically everything. And, you know, if you're, if you're, saving a large institution a couple points across doing this, then you're winning. If you're saving a large institution five or ten points on doing these sort of things or massively hedging their risk involved with just, say, the human error involved in processing these types of transactions, then there's massive wins to be had. I see. So are big companies using this blockchain technology? The answer to that is take yeah. The answer to that is yes, and take any big company that you can, any big finance company, and put their name into Google with the word blockchain behind it, and 90% of the time you're going to get they have a research institute, they have a group working on it, they might even have a pilot program running. Yes, it's being implemented on a large scale very quickly. Okay, so this actually is mainstreaming because sometimes when we hear blockchain, we think about alternative currencies, we think about uh, abolish the Fed and all this other stuff. And I now now that goes to another question is, you know, we hear that uh, this and I've heard from a couple of people that oh, blockchain's a fad. Is it a fad? I don't think it's a fad if you were doing it. So why do people say it's a fad and how is that not the case? People say it's a fad mostly because when you're talking about blockchain, especially in the modern style of news cycle where information is almost valueless. Um, right. People talking about blockchain are a lot of times talking about Bitcoin and Ethereum and Litecoin, etc. 
and the speculation therein, right? They're not necessarily uh -huh. taking, talking about, okay, well, here's, here's the blockchain technology, here's how you write one in Go, here's how you distribute the nodes, here's how you spin up nodes in AWS or GCP, here's how you create a consensus algorithm, here's how you can create a bespoke consensus algorithm based on needs of your network or your private network, or right? That's a rabbit hole most people aren't going to go into. The rabbit hole most people go into when reading about this stuff and this is in no way to put any of these people, you know, down or belittle anybody. This is just how the world works at this point, is to look at the speculation that's happening because that's what the headlines are, right? Bitcoin hits almost $20,000. Oh, my God, everybody buy it. Oh, look, Bitcoin's at $5,000. Oh, what a travesty. Uh, like, that doesn't actually matter. That, that, I mean, it does matter to a lot of people. It mattered very much. But it doesn't matter in the concept of what is this technology and what does it actually do moving forward on the scale of how does it impact economies and how does it impact enterprise business and how does it impact the daily lives of, of users, how does it impact small to medium business, right? There's, there's a lot of pieces there that are coming and they're coming fast. There's an entire decentralized web uh, internet, essentially, that's in its infancy. It's really in its infancy. It's just being sparked. But if you Google okay. IPFS, Interplanetary File System, um, that'll give you the basis of, of what these systems are starting to look like. And they're they're very techy. They're very nerdy. Like, you know, it, it's people like me that are involved at the base level of these things. But they're coming, and they're coming fast, and they're going to change the way that we do Internet. It's going to change the way that we communicate on a global scale and and you know, that's what we're calling Web 3.0. That's what Web 3.0 is, right? Because right. you take these technologies like blockchain and consensus algorithms and distributed nodes and IPFS, and then you layer those on top of things which are still emergent technologies, such as AI and ML and DL and IoT and, you know, acronyms and acronyms for days. But you, you take these all of these pieces together and put them together and you just have absolutely immense amounts of data and immense amounts of processing power to handle them. And the results are that we become much more efficient, we become faster, we become stronger, and we have a very much more refined idea of what it is our businesses should be doing come to the next step. Right. Now, there's another term out there called FinTech. What is that? Financial technologies or finance technology. Uh, it just means okay. the technology that lives around the financial space. Um, and, you know, this is not – it might be a somewhat new term, but this is not a new idea in any sense, right? Banks have running running mainframes since the 60s or 70s, I mean, you know, long right. before I was born, essentially. Uh, running technology to run banking institutions and run global global economies is is – where all these banks have been and what they're doing, right? Like, there's there's a reason that some of the most expensive servers in the world are directly around the Chicago Board of Exchange and the New York Stock Exchange. Uh, you know, those are those are very high value pieces of asset, uh, pieces of of hardware to be to own or rent. Um, so fintech is just the the technologies used by the finance sectors, and that's everything from you know, how what actually happens when you swipe your credit card at the store. To how how many shares of this can I trade in microseconds to make an extra five dollars today? That kind of thing. I mean, you know, you know. What I mean. Right. All right. So again, uh, you know, I, I just want to make sure that we're absolutely clear here because this is a lot of tech speak, and I'm kind of listening to it slowly and trying to make sure that I have an understanding. So 
when we talk about blockchain tech and cryptocurrency, what do those have to do with real estate transactions? We're seeing more and more of this in real estate. Well, uh, there's two pieces there. There's A, if, if you assume or if you accept that cryptocurrencies are a valid store of value, a.k.a. they're an actual currency and you should be allowed to buy anything you want with them, then their right. interjection into real estate is very simple, right? If I have a bunch of Bitcoin and I want real estate instead of Bitcoin, I simply write a contract and transact in that currency. Blockchain itself allows for an immutable ledger of title in real estate, but it also allows for us to create a new type or a new way of exchanging securities or assets. And when I say securities right. or assets, you can imagine if I bought a large apartment building. Let's say I bought an apartment building with 1,000 units in it. And I need 100 investors to come in and fund the actual purchase of that. There are multiple yeah. structures to do that, right? You can buy it in REITs. You can buy it in MLPs. You can buy it in private partnerships. Uh, you know, there's, there's 15 other ways to do it. But they're slow and they're paperwork heavy and they're very dependent on a, a physical sales cycle, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and the transaction itself is slow, right? I'm going to wire you a million dollars. You're going to take that million dollars and put it in your bank account. That bank account is going to then pay, et cetera. You, you can see how that expands. Yeah. If we do that inside these newer technologies, right, based upon a blockchain technology was running a virtual machine and has a tokenization system inside of it to do that, I can spin that up almost instantly, right? I, you still have legal paperwork. You still have regulation. Don't get me wrong. All of that still applies to buying a large apartment building. Don't yeah. Don't believe that you're just suddenly going to be allowed to just do whatever. It's not the Wild West. You still have to tell the oh, SEC what you're doing. <laughs> I hope not. The last, time, the last but, time we had the Wild West, we're all still paying for it, and not in ways that we yeah. anticipated. Right. But the idea is that, well, the reality is that I can then tokenize, tokenize that asset instead, which means that I now have a virtually, virtual and tradable currency, in air quotes, if you will, but an asset, a security, which represents a portional ownership in that asset. And a tokenization of that means that I have access to exchange that ownership of, access, of asset on a peer-to-peer near instantaneous basis, whenever I want, however right. I want, as an owner of that asset piece. And as the seller of that asset piece, right, as the manager of the the investment itself, you still have to deal with the regulation and such of being allowed to sell that to people, but the sale is very simple and straightforward and fast. You wire me money or you pay me in Ethereum or Bitcoin or cash or however else you want to do it, and you will in turn receive these tokens instantly which represent this portional ownership. Now, the rest of the contracting process in that is a still a business process, right? What are the dividend structures? What is the ownership structure? What is the allowable time frames for return on investment, et cetera, et cetera, are all business contracting. But the actual implementation of I receive funds and I give you a portion of ownership in some valuable asset becomes very fast, very easy, very peer-to-peer, and that's that's highly valuable because of its efficiency, because of its its uh, ability to be instantly spun up by nearly anybody that has an idea and wants to take that idea to market. Um, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of wins there, especially with larger scale uh, asset securitization. Yeah, you know when I think of 
real estate transactions. I haven't yet invested in an apartment building. I'm not there yet, but I'm thinking of when I've done leases uh, for townhouses or apartments or things of that nature. And to put your deposit down and things like that, you have to go get a money order. And then to buy the money order, you can't use your debit card and all that. So when you have, uh, and I'm just going to come out and say this because this is how it looks to me. When you have a, when you have a convenience store clerk telling you what you can and can't do with your money to get a place to live, how do we translate <laughs> that? How do we translate that to opening up blockchain and Bitcoin in real estate transactions? Are we talking about massive transactions or can this be done for like individual apartment or townhouse rentals as well? Anything and everything. I mean, you know, nice. you can, that's, that's, that's sort of the, I, I hate to use the phrase the beauty of, but that's sort of the beauty of the systems, right? Is that we're talking about penny, pennies, transactions which cost pennies, no matter their scale, right? So me sending you $10 in Bitcoin is going to cost me a couple pennies. Me sending you $10 million in Bitcoin is going to cost me a couple pennies. That's not how the Ooh, world works today. Nice. Yeah. And yeah, that's that, not how yeah, the world that, works. Yeah, that'd be nice. <laughs> right. So, so, so let me be, let so, me be clear. You're saying you're saying that's how it is now with blockchain. You could send me a million dollars and pay a few pennies on the transaction. Yeah, there's a you know. Okay, you where do I sign up? up? Large. <laughs> where, where, where do I sign up? How do oh, I set up an account? And do I have to verify it by email and link it to a bank account? What do I need to do here? I'd like that million dollars. Uh, but, well, yeah. I'm not going to send you a million dollars. Just to just to preface <laughs> preface the rest of this conversation. <laughs> Yeah, if you want to actually answer, you can you can go on brokers. You can go on Coinbase is a really well known one. You can buy buy crypto with a credit card if you want to. Uh, you can go on Craigslist and give some dude on the corner cash, and he'll transfer you Bitcoin. Like it's it's really 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 simple. Once you just ten minutes of reading about you know how a wallet works and how to maintain some security in what you're doing. And the transactions themselves, the process of getting and moving and trading in, in any of these coins, um, all of those all those systems are very very simple, and they're simple yeah, for know, a reason, right? There, there's a disruption yeah. that is supposed to be happening with them and is happening with right. them. Right. And what I like about it is the disruption because here's some of the things we see when we go and use traditional banks. Uh, if you want to withdraw more than ten thousand dollars of your own money. They, have, they make you fill out paperwork, and they make you wait, and then they report to the government. If you deposit more than a certain amount, they report that to the government. And if you want to wire a yeah. million dollars through a traditional bank, you're going you're gonna to put somebody's kid through college, basically. So, <laughs> I mean, yeah, what, Chase, I mean what is Just stopping? the other day, wouldn't let, Chase wouldn't let me deposit more than $5,000 the other day. I have no idea why. Like, wow. It's my money. It's my account. What do you mean? Nope. Okay, I'll come back tomorrow and do the rest then, I guess. Like, what? These systems are, are archaic, and they don't make sense in the modern age. And right. people are looking for the way to change that. Now, to be fair, to be completely transparent, we are not a cryptocurrency company. I'm not working on building cryptocurrencies. I'm working on Web3 technologies for business, for, for enterprise, for solving transactional problems between 
scaled components, right? There's entire supply chains out there that take 30 or 60 or 90 days for payment to reach one end to the other because of all just the, the bureaucratic nightmare steps in between them all. They're easily automatable, right? If you implement IoT, Internet of Things, it's just smart sensors essentially saying, yes, the boat has arrived, now move payment to the next processor. You go from 30, 60, 90 day payment windows to seconds. That's high value sort of impact point. Um, cryptocurrency is very interesting, and I'll, I'll happily talk with you about it with, for the rest of the time that we have here. But just putting that out there that we are not a cryptocurrency fun focused company. We're a larger, uh, larger enterprise style software development company, especially my end of it, right? I'm the CTO. I'm a, yeah. I run the software stuff. <laughs> Right. So, uh, you know, I'm thinking myself, and this has been a conversation I've seen a lot of within entrepreneurial circles, entrepreneurial uh, circles. In my business, people pay me using credit cards and they can PayPal me the money one way or the other. And the question that comes up is, am I going to go into crypto? Am I going to go into blockchain? So how would that work for me if it's like, let's say I wanted to accept somebody's crypto or accept somebody's blockchain? Or again, I'm, I'm mixing up the terms here. And the point of that is I'm trying to get the clarity. Yeah, I mean, you can, you know, there, it really depends what your what business line you're talking about. But there's, uh, let's take e-commerce for a simple example. Uh, there is already integrations. There's, uh, what's it called? Coin, Coin Marketplace, Coin Market Pro, something like that. I, I don't know. I'm not affiliated with them, so obviously, I mean, I don't even know the name. But there's a few different integrations that'll integrate with uh, WooCommerce, with Shopify, probably with uh, yeah, this uh, e-commerce, big commerce, whatever the other ones are, that'll allow you to accept crypto payments today. Um, you know, there's some integration steps there. There's some way that these things are being worked through. Ethereum's kind of the easiest one to integrate with at the moment just because of the way the technology works and the way they've built these what they call they have a piece that they call web3.js which is a direct uh, javascript Im implementation that uh, interfaces with the ethereum blockchain uh, that allows you to monitor transactions in real time um, but there yeah. there are ways already for any basically any business to accept these types of cryptocurrencies as payment um, these systems are getting better and better on a regular basis just because, you know, people had to figure out how, how does this work? How do we measure it? How do we track it? How do we make sure that the payment corresponds to the correct uh, transaction number, everything else? All this stuff that's already been figured out for credit cards, uh, we just basically have to reimagine for a blockchain system instead. And it's it's sort of a solved problem, right? I, I bought something the other day using some cryptocurrency, and it's, it's, it was very simple and straightforward. It was, you know, here's a wallet address. Send the amount of your transaction to that wallet address. And, you know, that transaction took me 10 or 12 seconds to complete. And then I got an email that says your transaction is completed. Your order is, you know, in process or shipping or whatever they say at that point. Um, so accepting it really, it, it does depend on what your business model is. Uh, if you're e-commerce, if you're internet-based, if you're subscription-based, that kind of thing, it, it's a little bit more simple than like our previous example of leasing to a tenant. Uh, there's not really right. great systems just because there's there's not a lot of a, a cryptocurrency adoption at that sort of level, right, in society itself yet. Your average tenant isn't going to be ready to pay you in, in Ethereum or Bitcoin just yet. Uh, that doesn't right. mean they're not going to be able to in the very near future. And I'm sure plenty of people listening right now are, are thinking in their head, no, my tenants would pay me if I would let them, you know. 
Uh, so there, there are ways to do it. There's definitely ways to do it for just about any business sector you want, and it's fast and it's efficient and it's very secure. Um, you know, as long as you're not putting your, your private key somewhere that someone else can get it, then you're almost entirely secure on doing those kind of things. Uh, I, I like it. I think it's worthwhile. Yeah, I think I think so. Um, so you like in general to discuss entrepreneurship. Now, what does that mean to you? Entrepreneurship means going out there and taking risks and trying new things and seeing what interests you and, and building awesome companies around it. Right. Okay. And I, I, yeah. I think that I think that's the base of it for me. You know, it's it's a right. entrepreneurship it is a risky endeavor. It, you know, I could I could go have a desk job writing code, and it would be much more secure uh, on a on a you know on an ongoing basis. But this is, is there's nothing like owning your own business. There's nothing like owning your own revenue streams and being able to say I I built this. I this, here's this entire operating structure which employs dozens of people and makes you know however much capital per year and and does all these awesome things and is implementing systems which actually change the way that businesses on a large scale operate and I built that right you, you, there's 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 nothing that can replace that essentially yeah yeah very true very true so yeah in our you know in the rest of our time here together uh, and you know this has been a fantastic uh, disambiguation of some of the topics having to do with uh, with all this uh, let's say that again because I'm looking for the clarity one of our listeners wanted to get involved with this uh, how would they get started like what will be the process because I know I'm I'm asking an extremely broad question <laughs> Jill I don't know if we lost him. Yeah, uh, no, I mean, I'm you, I'm here. Oh, I'm here. Uh, yeah, that is that's a very broad question. I mean, you know, the way the the things that we're looking at, the folks that we're talking to, is about how these technologies disrupt the 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 way systems and processes and and contracts and and things work um, within existing and, and and new ideations of structures and and operations. The way that we see blockchain specifically as a technology is as a, a layer of a tool layer within a technological ecosystem that provides solutions and reduces risk and reduces costs and adds transparency and adds security. And those are really important pieces. But the way that I explain it to the general public is, um, you know, blockchain is a technology just like your your phone is a technology or your phone is a compilation right. of many technologies. Um, and, you know, the the uses on blockchain um, are myriad. Um, just like, you know, with your phone, you can go on your phone and you can open Angry Birds and you can pull the little red bird back and you can fly it forward and it can hit the green pig. And all of the things that happen, that uh, technologically happen behind that user experience 99.9% .9 of the people on the planet don't actually understand, right? We don't understand how microchips do what they do and how this software uh, integrates with those things and how we connect to a cell tower and upload and download data. But we know that they do it, and we're grateful for it, and we utilize it for uh, millions and billions of different types of functionalities every single day. And these technologies are no different in, in that set where 
Um, they are being deployed by some of the world's largest companies, IBM, Chase, Walmart, um, Maersk, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. They are being utilized in real time to improve results. Artificial intelligence, you know, um, Chris, I don't know if you know the numbers, but somewhere, some percentage of Google search results and, and, and things that are coming through are all, are all uh, curated and propagated by, uh, by AI now as opposed to static algorithms. Um, and so these technologies are, are impacting and affecting and improving our lives and our, and our businesses and our, um, our realities every single day now. How do people get started in dealing with them? Well, if you have an idea that you think runs better on a distributed ledger or with a consensus algorithm or with a, you know, an artificial intelligence layer in order to uh, analyze data and, and, and make determinations and take actions, then you know, go to LannisterDevelopment.com, you know, contact our teams, we'd love to have a meeting with you. If you're in an industry where you have deep experience and you're looking at your, your company or you're looking at, at the group that you work with and you think that you know, your company wants to look at how do you deploy a blockchain solution for logistics or how you deploy uh, a cloud native or hybrid cloud applications to get off of expensive in-house you know, mainframe situations in IT infrastructure, Go to LancerDevelopment.com. We want to talk to you. For regular folks on a regular day, um, most people don't, you know, wake up in the morning and, and have a reason to go hire a tech team to explore new new levels technologies. And, um, you know, we're seeing a lot of disruptive points. Um, but, you know, the fact of the matter is, is that these are core operating technologies. They work um, in a lot of different use cases. Um, you know, I know that you brought up and discussed Cryptocurrencies, you know, we view cryptocurrencies as a use case on blockchain, just like an app on your phone. And I think everybody that understands these technologies and is looking at using them is very grateful to cryptocurrencies for giving the technology, giving distributed ledgers, giving consensus algorithms, giving blockchains the cycles that they needed to mature and the volume of, of utilization that a technology needs to go through in order to hit pain points and in order to hit scale points. Um, you know, we're just now getting to the point where blockchains can get up to the transactions per second that are really needed to facilitate large-scale transaction volumes like the Visa network, right? And right. so those realities put us in the position of being at a time where these technologies are still nascent, um, but they're also very broadly uh, being deployed. They are still in testing phases, but those testing phases have deep cycles that have years and years and years of experience and, and millions of transactions completed. And so it's a very interesting time in the space to look at being able to um, be the company or be one of the fur companies that is at market with a consultative approach to working with companies and working with groups and working with universities to say, how do we help you understand how these technologies fit? And then how do we help you deploy those, build those and deploy those within your ecosystem? Wow, that's really great. So again, this has been really interesting. And I uh, just want to check and see if there's anything else you had to share with our listeners, because I think this uh, brings it together pretty nicely. Yeah, you know, just come check us out if you're interested. We're, we're you know, LannisterHoldings.com, LannisterDevelopment.com. I'm on Twitter at LannisterCEO. The company's on Twitter at LannisterDev. 
And uh, we're all over LinkedIn. You can find us on, you know, look up Lannister Holdings. And um, we are traded in the U.S. Uh, on the OTC market under the ticker symbol NBDR. Um, if any of right. your listeners have any interest in the space, we'd love to consult with them. And um, and also, we, you know, we are actively adding team members. Uh, we are a completely remote work company. So if you're a beautiful, talented, artistic person and you love what you do and you think that uh, there's a fit, you know, we're, we're actively, you know, bringing on more uh, marketing people and messaging people and writers and coders and, you know, front-end people and, uh, uh, you know, across the spectrum. So uh, we're having a great time and, and we're enjoying the enjoying the entrepreneurial journey and, and the adventure for sure. All right. Very good. So, uh, so basically, Joseph Snyder, Chris Brown, thank you so much for being with us today. It's been an honor and an education. Thank you so much. Have a great day. All right. Yeah, and for, for everybody me. listening... Yeah, you bet. For everybody listening, this is Adam Homey, host of the Business Creators Radio Show. Please check out our previous and our upcoming episodes at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. As I say, Google it, you'll find it, where we help you win at the game of business and marketing so you thrive from the intersection of your brilliance and your passion. Until next time, have a great day. Take care.